Everybody, this is Sharman Smith with Taming the Titta, your 2020 Democratic candidate for president. Thank you for tuning in today. We've got a great show with you today. I am live from the mansion, which is so exciting because I love this house and I'm excited to take an hour and just share the stories that I know about it and just give you an update on everything that's going on from the campaign this week. So first of all, I always like to start with our new four Fs, right? Our fun with our future first family. And it's a, it's a little fun, extra fun this week because tonight is Thursday, October the 25th, and it is beggars night in Newark, Ohio. And that's where the house is, where our historic mansion is, is in Newark, Ohio. And beggars night is a little different than Halloween. So most piece, most places do a traditional trick or treat on Halloween, but in Newark, they do a beggars night on the Thursday before Halloween. You see a number of years ago, Halloween married up with a weekend. It was either a Friday or a Sunday, a Friday or a Saturday. And a kid was killed by a drunk driver. And the city immediately stepped up and changed it so trick-or-treat would not ever again fall on a weekend. And that is how Beggar's Night was born in Newark, Ohio. And so it is the last Thursday of October. And it is today. And I love this night. Beggar's Night really is the best night. Now, for me, Halloween has always been special, and everybody, you know, loves Halloween and trick-or-treat and all the fun that comes with this time of the year. But my birthday is November the 1st, so I always get to party two days in a row, and Halloween's extra special for me. So the first year when we moved to Ohio and trick-or-treat wasn't on Halloween, it threw me off a little. It really disappointed me because it kind of threw them off my party schedule. Schedule and I, you know, I habits are hard to break, but this one I adapted to pretty quickly. And so it's fun because now my trick or treat lasts longer and my birthday celebration lasts longer. So tonight is officially the start of my birthday celebration. And I like to, um, I like one of the things that I have done for the last couple of years, and it started in 2016. Um, That year was so hard for everybody. But my daughter came home from school and she said that the election had stolen the joy from all the children at school and nobody was going to go trick-or-treating. People weren't even buying costumes. She was in elementary school. I think it was fifth grade. And it, it was that election was so horrible for everyone, but that was my first reality check for how much it had impacted the children. The election had stolen the joy of Halloween from the children, and the children didn't even want to trick-or-treat anymore. So I went out to the store, and I bought as many full-size candy bars as I could find, and I pulled out my Cinderella costume, and I got my husband's Prince Charming costume, and we dressed up as Cinderella and Prince Charming, and we handed out full-size 
size candy bars and the smiles on those children's faces when they got to pick out their own full-size candy bar. It is my everything. It was the best night ever. I We did it again last year, and we're giving away full-size candy bars again this year. We're in historic Hudson Avenue. If you're anywhere near Newark, Ohio, come by and get a candy bar. The, the, the look on these kids' faces for their candy bar, it really is my everything. I just adore it. And Halloween Halloween is always special for everyone but there is there is something really special about this town and it really comes alive on beggars night and everybody gets dressed up even the adults and the kids are out and everyone's smiling and this is just one of my favorite nights of the year so for me it's really special to be able to come to you with this show you know live from the mansion here in Ohio i just absolutely adore it It is a monster home. It is just fantastic, really. Um, But before I finish up with our fun with our future first family, I I know I like to do jokes from um, your first, your future first dude. And today we don't, I don't really have a joke for you because the the thing that we laughed at really wasn't funny today. Uh, This morning as I woke up and started watching the news and learned about all the pipe bombs that had been mailed to um, Democrats this morning was pretty terrifying. And my husband and I were talking about it and I lightly said, you know, be careful, check the mail, you know, keep an eye on what shows up. And he laughed and he said, with all the things that I've done in my life, if if the mail at our house is what gets me, I think I will probably laugh before I die. So we laughed a little because it was funny, but it really isn't funny. It's really a scary time. And the reality that there's so much going on in our country and around the world, but in our country where we, where, you know, people, we have a serial bomber now mailing pipe bombs to people's houses, to politicians, to celebrities. It is, it is a scary time. And as much as I would like to be able to draw some light around it for you and make make light of it and humor it, I, I'm challenged to do that. So I'm, what I'm going to do today is just talk about the house and try to take us out of it for just a little while. We, uh, The house is in central Ohio, and it has just an amazing story attached to it. I had always wanted to own a historic mansion, you know, with eight fireplaces and 10 bedrooms and more space that I could ever do anything with. And and when my husband picked a job that brought us to central Ohio, this house just fell in our lap. And it is, I mean, it is just a beautiful dream house. It's painted red, white, and blue. It's three stories plus a basement and a carriage house. The garage is two stories with a loft above where they used to keep hay. And it is, I mean, the garage is a six-car garage. It's 2,600 square feet. It is amazing. Everything about the house, it's almost two acres in town. It's just beautiful. But it was built in 1890 by the Fleeks. They were the original grocers in town. And it's funny to me that everything nowadays, these kids use this word fleek. Their eyebrows are on fleek and everything is on fleek. And I own the fleek mansion. 
And so the Fleeks were the original grocers in town, and they were very prominent in the area. They built this house. They hired a a professional architect to come and design and build the house for them. They, the house is a stop or was a stop on the Underground Railroad. The people who owned this house were Northerners and Union sympathizers for sure, and they assisted runaway slaves um, for, we're talking the 1890s, and they owned the house until the 40s, and they were actively participating in helping slaves escape slavery into the late 1800s and early 1900s. When we talk about the Civil War and slavery and how it's been over for so long, it really hasn't been over that long. And some of the stories that are attached to my house are amazing and fascinating, but some of them are heartbreaking and terrifying. Uh, It is it's wonderful to be a part of the history, but it is sad and painful to acknowledge the truth of what has happened, and really not so long ago, just here in our country. But again, the house is amazing, and I can talk about it for hours. It's, like I said, three stories plus a basement. The The basement is Most basements are creepy, okay? Everybody has a creepy basement story, and there's certainly something special about this basement. Um, It it should also be known that in the 1950s, the doctor who owned this house used to perform illegal abortions in the basement. And the city and the state knew what he was doing, and the state took his medical license away, but the city turned a blind eye because they felt like he was providing a valuable service to the community. So my house is steeped in history from multiple really important topics in our country that are important to me, that are important to my family, but that are important to the world and for all of us to understand it. And I love the fact that we can talk about a physical thing and everything that this house has endured and experienced is is a story in itself. HBO did a movie years ago called If These Walls Could Talk. And they told the story of the inhabitants in the house through this perspective of the house. And it was fascinating to think about all the people who had lived in that house and been touched through that house. And I really enjoy that about the house that I own, my home. I call it Tita House. It, um, it is amazing. It's still has the some of the original leaded glass windows. There is a story that the owners who built this house, they built other houses on the street and there's supposed to be tunnels underneath the houses that connect three houses on this road together. And there is a spot in the basement where if I stomp around on the concrete, the ground below it sounds hollow. And if I thought for one second I could break through that concrete and figure out how to get into the tunnels down there, you know I would have already done it. But it is definitely on my list of things to do for the future. It is full of fascinating secrets and details, and that the house is amazing. You know, you when you think about old houses, I always thought about the big ceilings and the natural wood floors, but... 12-foot-tall ceilings are beautiful, but the way that they were able to do plaster so that they could arch 
the ceilings, instead of them being cornered, it's called a cove ceiling, and it is beautiful. And the, the attention to detail with the, the intricate woodwork and the designs, but that's not even the most exciting part. Each bedroom, the the door handles, the hinges, the handles on the windows, they're all they're all handmade special for each room. The handles that are on the window are a certain way and the door handles are all match design. But even the hinges for the door, when you open the door and you look at the flat face of the hinge, there's intricate scrolling and, and filigree work within the hinges. There's such an attention to detail that was put into this house that it's it, it it could never be replaced, right? When Whenever somebody talks about buying a historic home and how you replace it if something were to happen to it, you know, God forbid it burns down, you could never replace the, the work and the detail that went into creating this house. It's so much more than the 12-foot tall ceilings and the, the crown molding. You know, they're the they, we don't make hinges like that anymore. Everything in the house was built to last. And it is amazing to see how well it has held up. Now, air conditioning is, a question, is questionable. Um, my heater definitely works better than my air conditioner works. And I still have the original boiler in the basement. And it is a huge, monstrous beast. And there are radiators throughout the house that are not functional, but beautiful. And it is literally, each floor is 2,700 square feet, 2,800 square feet. So there's three plus the basement and then the garage, which was the old carriage house and a tax shed and a pergola and a sunken garden and a gazebo. It really is like a dream home. You know, it it was always my dream to own a big old historic mansion. And I love the mansion. Now, it is a love-hate relationship there is, there is no way to avoid that. It, it, an old house is a lot like a boat. All you do is pour money into it. And I love the 12-foot tall ceilings until a pipe leaks and it has to be fixed. And then I hate the 12-foot tall ceilings because it's impossible to find somebody who wants to fix them and I can't do it. I have done a lot of repairs in this house and I've always been a very crafty and very handy girl, but I have learned the hard way that mudding and taping is just not in my skill set. I don't mind painting. I don't mind caulking. I can handle saws. That's not a problem for me. But mudding and taping, I don't want to do that again. It's been a lot of learning in this house. It's been fascinating. And it is, it has so much potential. And it is part of my, it, it is part of my book, a small part of my book. And there's a beautiful dream that's attached to it that comes with um, the possibility of mixing it in with this campaign. And I'm really looking forward to telling you that part of the story in the second half of our, sh in the second quarter of our show. Um, but you're going to, I, I look forward to really taking you down memory lane and, and telling you some of the really, truly fascinating details about this house. It is the, the story that Ancestry.com connected for me with this house, we, we bought it three and a half years ago, 
And I've been desperately trying to sell it for two years. And then Ancestry.com dropped the coolest connection for me with this house. And I realized that the universe has been conspiring in my favor for a long time. And it brought me to this house for a reason. And it's so fascinating. And it's so much more interesting when you can put the pieces of the puzzle together. It, um, it, it is just it's exciting to see the way synchronicities work and the way dots connect. And when it all comes together, it's just beautiful to realize that you're on the right path. And I, there's so there's so much for me to talk about today. I want to make sure that I remind you to check out my website, charmansmith.com, to follow me on Facebook at Charmin Smith for President 2020 and on Twitter at Smith Charmin. There, the book is available on Amazon and Kindle. It's on Kindle Unlimited for free. It really is a much better read post-election than it was pre-election. Um, Taming the Titta, the fictional story that I wrote about politics and religion and a reality TV show, any similarities to actual events that, that have taken place within the 2016 election in the last couple of years were not intended, but it does improve the quality of the read, and it makes it a much more interesting story when you know that the book was written before the election, and, and you can piece together the things that actually happened in comparison to the, the dream that I wanted to share before this all unfolded. And it really was for me like watching my dream turn into a nightmare. And so I'm running for president in 2020 as a way to take my dream back. And part of that is sharing it with you and making sure that you have the opportunity to get to know me and to see me transparently, to to know that I'm sharing every bit of myself with you. And I'm giving you all of my ideas and all my potential solutions to each of our issues. And it, it is really really important to me that you know who I am and what I stand for and what you can count on from me. So I'm going to take a break here in the next few minutes. And when we come back, I'm going to share with you a wonderful story about this house, Titta House. And we'll be right back in a few moments.
Hi, everybody. This is Sharman Smith again, back with you with Taming the Titta. I'm your 2020 presidential candidate trying to uh, change the status quo and shake things up in politics. But for now, we're going to talk a little bit more more about me and my family and my house and and really let you get to know me. So as I talk about this house, this historic mansion of mine that I just, I mean, I really do absolutely love it. It has eight fireplaces. It has, there's five bedrooms on the third floor. Um, There's three bedrooms and an office on the second floor. The first floor is just the coolest dining room. The fireplace, the the mantle of the fireplace is literally eye level for me, and I'm five foot eight. It is it's just amazing to me the kind of things that they put into houses. I, why would I need eight fireplaces? The fireplace in the main room is built underneath the staircase, and they call that an angle nook. And the angle nook is designed so that when the fireplace heats up, it heats up the staircase and it heats up almost the entire house with this one fireplace. This was 1890 that this was built. This is a 10,000 square foot home and the bulk of the house gets heated through one fireplace. Now, I have forced warm air now and I don't use the fireplaces for heat um, but they are, they're beautiful. And of the eight, I have a draft in all but one fireplace. So if, while I don't use the fireplaces, I could use the fireplaces in all but one. And they're just amazing. There's a fireplace in the basement. It's just amazing. But I told you a few minutes ago that Ancestry.com dropped the coolest connection for me with the house. And we bought the house in February of 2015. We took possession in March. And I have been desperately trying to sell this house for the last two and a half years unsuccessfully. I've had multiple offers and they all fall through at the last minute. For whatever reason, you know, buyers just disappear. It's just not meant to sell. It is meant to be my house. I really believe that. It was on the market for seven years before I found it. We were literally traveling all over the country trying to find a place to settle down, and the house was on the market just waiting for us. And it, it, it really is. It's a love-hate relationship with an old house because I, I love the old windows, but I hate the fact that they leak. You know, they're like sieves, really. It's they need to be updated, but I hate the idea of changing the look of the house, but we'll see. It's all, it all come together the way it's meant to. It, um, so ancestry.com has been really important. I keep mentioning it last week. We talked about DNA and that that's an, an important conversation that we all need to understand. There's a genetic connection to the presidency. All of the presidents are related. Trump and Obama are cousins, right? It, it, it's the reality of the situation. We're all, all the presidents are connected to one dirt king 800 years ago. And I, I've, I've shared that story. We can, I can do it again a million times. But when I, this last May, I decided to look up a different branch of my family tree. When I wrote the book, I followed James K. Polk. I knew I was related to him. He was 
my president that I use to trace those leaves for a thousand years to understand medieval feudalism, which is like... The world would be a better place if Arthur had really been king. It just, it's just a sad truth. But a couple months ago, I decided to pop up a different branch of my tree, and I didn't expect it to drop four presidents on me. And it produced Washington, Monroe, Taylor, and Harding. And Warren G. Harding is one of my favorite stories in all of this. Now, I I loved the idea of finding Robert the Bruce from Braveheart. And I loved the idea of finding that, finding out that Robin Hood was a real person. And, and it was sad to find out Arthur had never been king. I wanted my king in the Knights of the Round Table. It was sad to know that that's just a dream. Um, But to find all this other stuff was just a wonderful gift. And so one of the reasons why I like Warren G. Harding so much is he's an Ohio president and my historic mansion is located in central Ohio. But Warren G. Harding wasn't your traditional politician. He was a newspaper man. And instead of doing campaign rallies and traveling all over the country like his fellow candidates were, he decided to launch a much different presidential campaign. He hired a professional architect to come to his home and put a front porch on his home, and he launched the front porch campaign. And while all of his competitors were traveling all over the country at rally stops, he was inviting journalists and newspaper men to his house to interview him on his front porch. And he brought front porches to America. And America loved him. He won. And they loved him until he died and his scandals came out. But the front porch campaign was brilliant. And the architect who built my house is the same architect who built my cousin's front porch. And I really think there has to be a way to use this house as part of the campaign. I love the idea of inviting people here to sit on this front porch with me and talk about the things that are going on in America. So I love the fact that I am live today talking to you from the mansion because I I really believe that the universe brought this house to me with this story because it wants to be used. And this, if there was ever a better time to bring back some front porch mentality and some, some nostalgia to our country, now is it. And I really do have a gorgeous front porch. It is amazing. It is huge. It faces the road and it's a covered front porch and it has the big stone pillars and it is just beautiful. I will post pictures to um, my Facebook page and my Twitter page later this afternoon so that you guys can get a, a gist of what the house really looks like. Make sure to log in and check it out later at Charmin Smith for President 2020 and, and on Twitter at Smith Charmin. And it is just the most amazing house. I really do think that, you know, our country 
needs some front porch nostalgia. We need an opportunity to sit down with each other and talk to each other and share with each other and and just have a conversation. We used to talk to our neighbors. We used to hang out and have barbecues and just we used to do things together with people. Now we just text each other and hang out on social media. And and we live a much different life than we did in the 1890s when this house was built, that's for sure. But even just in the last 10 years, the changes that have taken place have been, have been just astronomical. And we have lost our camaraderie with each other. And it's something I desperately look forward to getting back, talking to people, having a conversation with them face-to-face, laughing with them. It is one of the things that has made America great. It's one of the things that I think a lot of us miss. And I certainly see no reason why we can't work towards bringing it back together. The The idea that, that you can, you know, resolve whatever issues that you have with your neighbor or talk through something with a, you know, even just sitting down and having a beer with somebody. It's, it's healing. It's wonderful. It just, it, it is, it is something that's missing in the fabric of our country. The, the bonfires, how many nights did you spend sitting around talking to your friends and, and just chatting about whatever went on this week? We, we need to do those things in this country again. We need to find a way to come together. And, and it, surely it should be over food and drink and laughter and chatting with your neighbors and coming together and helping each other and supporting each other. Those, and I see that alive and well across this country everywhere. Where I go and every person I talk to, they're they're doing what they can to enjoy life the best that they can during this time. But so many people are thirsty for the relationships and the friendships and the good times that we used to have. And we did used to have them. It, it, it wasn't so long ago. But I think a lot of us can see that the world really changed a lot after September 11th. We, we have all known it. But the world, the way we dealt with each other pre-September 11th and post-September 11th, it's two different things. It really is. But what has happened since the 2016 election in our country has just been devastating. At least after September 11th, we came together and loved each other. But for some some reason, this election with 2016 has managed to pull us apart. And we have to find a way to come back together. And it, it should be on nostalgia. And there are good things about America. America is great. It has been great. It hasn't always been right. We have certainly done some things wrong. There are definitely pinpoints in time that we can look at with hindsight being 2020, and we can say we could have done it better. We could have done a better job with Reconstruction. We could have done a better job with ending slavery. We could have done a better job with integrating these former slaves into society and treating them as real humans. We could have done a better job. We could have done a much better job 
many times in the past. And just because we haven't done it right yet doesn't mean we won't do it right in the future. Identifying that we have a problem is the biggest part to being able to solve the problem. And I still refuse to believe that there's anything so wrong with this country that it can't be corrected with a little common sense and compassion. We have a country full of amazing people who are smart and who are caring and who are compassionate. And it it doesn't matter what color they are. And it certainly, it's certainly shouldn't be the first thing that we use as an excuse not to get to know somebody. The color of someone's skin, whether they're brown or black or they're some beautiful, creamy combination in between. You know, we go tanning. We do things to change the complexion of our skin because we think brown is beautiful. So I don't understand why we would be anything less than open and compassionate to the people who do have this skin. They're a wonderful part of our country, of our society. I, this idea that, that whites are becoming a minority and we have to fight to keep the white majority is foolish. There, it, it's, it is tearing us apart. And it is, it, it's not just so much that it's foolish. It is sad because... The the people who are doing it are missing out on one of the greatest secrets in this country. And it has been kept a secret. And a lot of white people don't know it. And they're missing out because of it. There is this fear that there's something wrong with the black people or the brown people, that they're dangerous, that they're scary, that you can't trust them. But that's not the truth. The truth is they're nice. They're really funny. They're amazingly caring. They are compassionate. They're, you're missing out on a wonderful part of life if you don't have some friends who are brown or black or some other color than you. We have so much to learn from each other. We have so much to share with each other. And we, we have to stop focusing in on something so small as the color of someone's skin. We, we have to look towards integrity. We have to look towards their behaviors. It's, it's okay to say, you know, I've known you for a long time, but I really don't agree with that. I, that's not okay. That's not nice. We can do better. I, I know you can. And it's hard to be critical of some of our friends, but some of our friends need to hear it. And there's this idea that you, in order to be friends with someone, you can tell them the hard truths. And in order for us to heal as a country, we're going to have to come together with some hard truths. And one of those hard truths is, is that there are good people and bad people among us, regardless of their skin color. Just because someone is white doesn't mean they're good. Just because someone is brown doesn't mean they're bad. We can have bad white people. We can have 
good brown people. We can have bad brown people and good white people. We have to get past the idea that just because someone's a certain color, they're either safe or they're dangerous. And we have to learn how to identify the dangerous people amongst us because there are some people who are deliberately preying on the simple fear of color and we're trusting people we shouldn't be trusting just because we think they're safe because they're white. And the Russians really are using it against us to divide to divide us and to conquer us. And this is the time for us to get together. And if there was ever a time for us to unite because we're Americans, because we care about each other, because we're decent human beings, and it, we're smart enough to know that color doesn't make a difference. We just need to be around good, decent human beings and trust people and give them a chance and talk to them. We have to get tough on crime and we have to do something with the predators who are deliberately trying to deceive us. They they hide amongst us and they count on looking like well-behaved people. How many times do we hear it? Oh, he was so polite. He just kept to himself. We've gotten to the point we don't know how to identify who's good and who's bad, so we just mistrust everybody. And there is a way for us to identify the bad people and start building a relationship to trust the good people. We can do it together. Uh, Anything is possible as long as we come together and we do it together. We're We're the United States of America. And when we're divided, it hurts all of us. It hurts it it hurts our country. It hurts our reputation. It hurts the world too. It isn't going to make a difference for any of us until we find a way to heal this. And we we can do it. We're smart enough. We're brave enough. This is the home of the free because of the brave, and there is nothing that we can't do together. My name is Sharman Smith. You can find me at SharmanSmith.com. You can find my book at Taming my book, Taming the Titta, on Amazon or Kindle or Barnes and Noble. You can follow me on Facebook at Sharman Smith for President 2020. You can follow me on Twitter at Smith Sharman. I really am running for president in 2020. I really do believe there's nothing so wrong with this country that it can't be corrected with a little common sense and compassion. We can do it. We can do anything together. I'm going to be right back in just a few moments. Thank you.
Hi, everybody. This is Sharman Smith again with you from Taming the Titta, your 2020 presidential candidate for the Democrats. Now, I, we only have a few more moments left, but I do want to take a few more moments to tell a couple more stories about the House because it it really is cool and it, it will come into play a little bit in the future. Now, there was in the news just a couple of months ago that Melania had had the, the White House um exercised or something after they moved in. They had some spiritual person come and clean the house. And so I found that really funny because with my historic mansion, there have been a lot of peculiar events that have taken place. And I'm not just doing this for you because it's Halloween. It, it really is maybe haunted just a little bit. But I got rid of all the really scary things, and now the only thing that is left is the protective spirits that are within the house. But I, I do have amazing, fascinating stories, if that is the type of thing that you are interested in. Um, my, my son, we had to move him out of his bedroom on the third floor because he insisted that there was a little girl that was living there. And she showed herself to him before and after her accident. So we do believe that she died in the house in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And we had to, I had to find someone special to come in to talk to the little girl and tell the little girl to stop showing herself after the accident because she was very scary. You'd think that a haunted house is, is, maybe exciting, maybe it's fun, maybe it's scary, but it is different when you live with spirits who are active. And I have often joked that Mrs. Fleek, the original owner of this house, she occupies a bedroom. And whenever I have talked about taking down the wallpaper or doing something in that bedroom, a pipe somewhere else in the house breaks. And I think she is trying to get even with me and protect her room. And every time I try to do something to her room, she goes and breaks another pipe in the wall somewhere else in the house. And as long as I leave this room alone, I don't have any broken pipes. So it is safe to say that Mrs. Fleek's room is her room and I won't be doing anything to the wallpaper in her space. It is it is funny to think that spirit moves around us in so many amazing ways and that the universe is so much bigger than we realize it is. And and this house has certainly opened that up for me. As I after I wrote this book and things started to happen in real life that were similar to what I had written, just not the same. It really was like watching my dream turn into a nightmare. And I had to, at some point in time, embrace the fact that I had always had a reputation of knowing things I couldn't possibly know. And when I wrote this book, it's 400 pages of proof. It really is a much better read post-election than it was pre-election. Um, but to embrace that you're a spiritual person, that you pick up things on the wind, that you know things you can't possibly know. It, it's scary. It's intimidating. It's intense. And for me, there were so many things I wrote in this book that I got right. For a while, it scared me. It really, it scared me. But now what scares me the most isn't what I wrote and I got right. 
It's what I wrote that hasn't happened yet. And I, I am an advocate of the death penalty for pedophiles. One of the reasons is because I believe the next massive land shifts are coming and we're not remotely prepared. And I do not want to find ourselves in real mayhem when these land shifts hit with pedophiles and rapists who are heavily armed. I, I, I am an advocate for the death penalty for pedophiles and rapists because when these environmental shifts happen, when the land shifts happen, I don't want these predators, these pedophiles and these rapists to have the ability to just do whatever they want to do. I don't want it. And this yesterday, I shared a story about how one of the tectonic plates cracked in half and geologists are dumbfounded because it, they didn't think it could happen. And so I, I understand that I am not a scientist and I understand that this book has taken over my life. And I certainly don't want to think about what it will really be like when these shifts happen and the land masses move again. It is going to be catastrophic. Humans will survive. I want to ensure it's humanity and decency and not raving rapists roaming around the planet wrecking havoc, doing whatever they want. I, I want people who are going to take care of each other and protect the children and feed each other and help each other. Because when this event hits, it's it's going to change everything we know. We, we think we know continental drift and we think we understand how the core and the mantle and subduction work and something like this where the tectonic plate splits in half and dumbfounds the scientists and they don't know what to say anymore. That scares me. When, when, I, when, I, when I wrote the chapter about climate change, I, I used a classic card to explain climate change because I really think that when we get the gearheads involved, we'll be able to impact, we'll be able to make a real change. And, and I used a classic car because everybody who likes a classic car understands that the engine is so important. And we need to think of our planet as an engine. We, we don't, you would not ever take the oil out of your dream car. If you ran out of oil in your dream car, you got one of two things happen and you either seize the engine or you throw a rod and we don't want either one of those things to happen with our planet. I, I use a classic car because I want people to think about it in a way that they can relate to it. We want to leave the oil in the ground. There are shifts. There are changes. There are sensitive people among us that have an opportunity to warn us and to help us and to prepare us for what is coming. And that was a huge burden for me to carry for a while. The the knowledge that, that I had been shared a vision of what was coming. And I have the opportunity to work and to help and to improve and make a difference for us before the chaos comes is very painful and personal to me. It, I, I take this responsibility very seriously. When I, when I meet people and tell people I'm running for president, some are just like, huh, what? Are, are you real president of what? But then when they realize that I really am a good person. I'm smarter than I give myself credit for. I 
have an intuition and an instinct about things that has benefited me throughout my life that I have learned how to use to my benefit. And I, 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 I was in the right place at the right time many times in my life. I've had wonderful jobs, amazing jobs, where I was able to prove myself based off of my common sense and my critical thinking skills. And it has led me to amazing experiences everywhere. I am good at managing our money. We own two homes. One of them is a historic mansion. We are smart, hardworking people who started from nothing and know what it means to sacrifice. And I, I care about my fellow humans. And so as I embark on this mission, this running for president, it really is because I care about the people of this country. I care about the people of this planet. I care about all of us. I want to do everything in the, my power to make this place better for our kids, for your kids, and for my kids. My kids range from 13 13 to 25, and I can tell you it was a lot easier to raise teenagers 10 years ago than it is to raise teenagers today. And I see these parents with these precious little kindergarten babies, and I try to imagine what high school and middle school will be like in 10 years. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have to do everything in our power right now to fix this mess before it absolutely is too late. And so every opportunity you have to reach out to somebody, to be polite to somebody, to to ask good questions, to show compassion, to, to build your circle of trust so that when chaos happens, you have a network full of people to support you because we're going to have to support each other. We're going to have to take care of each other. We're going to have to come together. And we have an opportunity right now to figure out how to identify the good people from the bad people. And we need to clean up the bad stuff as much as we can, as quickly as we can, because it could have these shifts. They really can happen at any time. It is the way they are drilling and they are fracking and they have no clue what they're doing and they have no clue where the pressure points are, they really could poke us. Uh, they really could poke a hole in the wrong spot and crack something and move everything at once. It really, it really is a very terrifying reality and a possibility. We have to get smarter about drilling and fracking and the oil and the way this planet moves. And until we can figure it out, we have to start worrying about the things that we have created on this planet that are destroying it. We create these chemicals that we can't contain and they poison our water and they poison our air and they poison our land. We have to do something to clean up our mess before it really is too late. We, we are, and the best thing is, is we're smart enough to do it. We have all the abilities and everything is available to us. We just have to figure out how to connect the dots. We have the ability to clean up the, the oceans. We have the ability to give people housing. We have the ability to give people clean water. We have the ability to provide sanitation services and infrastructure to everybody in the world. We need to take care of our country first. We need to take care of ourselves first. We need to clean up our own mess before we go clean up anybody else's, but we can do it and we have the opportunity and we can do it together. It is not just we can do it, we need to do it. And 
I know that especially in America, and we can do anything, we are smart, we are creative, we are we are resourceful. And when we when we come together, we are an unstoppable force. And that is why they keep trying to make us fight each other and why they keep dividing us and separating us and pitting us against each other. The big, powerful powers that be, they don't want us to be friendly. They don't want the 99% to come together. We need to do it anyways. And we're going to do it anyways. And we're going to do it in a way that makes them regret treating us like crap for all these years. We can come together and we can solve the problems of our country. And we can make this the dream that America has always been. My name is Sharman Smith. I'm a 2020 Democratic candidate for president. You can find me at SharmanSmith.com. You can find my book, Taming the Titta, on Amazon, Kindle, it's on Kindle Unlimited for free. You can get it at Barnes and Noble or Walmart, anywhere you want to go online. Taming the Titta really is a better read post-election than it was pre-election. You can follow me on Facebook at charmansmithforpresident.com or charmansmithforpresident2020 on Facebook and on Twitter at Smith Charman. Thank you very much for being here with me today. I, tonight is Beggar's Night in Newark, Ohio. If you're anywhere near the area, come by, get a full-size candy bar. It's my it's my um, personal example of the Flaunt Your Wealth Challenge. I have my big house. I will be dressed up either as Cinderella or Daenerys Stormborn. I haven't decided yet, and I will be handing out full-size candy bars tonight from 5.30 to 7 o'clock. The look on the kids' faces is worth it every penny. So as you embark through the rest of the holiday and the rest of today, and as we move into the Halloween weekend, I just want you all to know that I'm thinking of you and this full moon is in our energy and wonderful things are coming to our country every day and there's nothing we can't accomplish together. Thank you very much. This is Sharman Smith. Have a good day. 